As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros, the podcast that talks about the guys who just got drafted, the guys who are about to get drafted, and everything in between. We're in full guys who are about to get drafted mode. We were all together at the Senior Bowl, me, Dane Brugler, Lance Zerline. Now we're back, but Lance is out and about. But Lance has gifted us with a mock draft. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have more picks. Now, Dane, if you recall, in his most recent mock draft, did propose some trades. Mm-hmm. Lance, you did not propose a trade at number one. You let yeah, the Browns pick. Intentionally, it was an intentional move. I wanted so I look at all of my mock drafts as there's different. I use them for different purposes. Um, this one I wanted to do no mock, no trades. I wanted to see what it would look like going team to team to team to team, where I would land on players. And this year, actually, more than most. Um, I used my own personal opinions on players to kind of to kind of fill up the draft board, except in a, in, a, in a couple of instances, there are players that I wouldn't put there. Um, I think this is not, you know, for me, I'm struggling with uh, there's a player who will tumble down the draft board that I just I couldn't find a place for him. We'll get to him in a little bit. I, oh, I struggle Dijon. putting defensive tackles in the first hey. round. And uh, and I struggle with linebackers because I'm just not sure there's. You know, there's going to be a bunch of linebackers that go on the first, and yet a lot of teams need linebacker help. So I went with some of my own grades for the most part, as opposed to just later on it's going to be an exercise and trying to figure out what another team is going to do. This time I said, you know what, I'm going to lean a little more heavily on what I would do here. All right, so you start with the Bears, who everybody assumes you're going to trade this pick. But if they I kept assume this, so too. Yeah, but if they kept this pick – you got them taking Jalen Carter out of Georgia. So why Jalen and not Will Anderson out of Alabama? They they clearly need a lot of everything. Yeah. They have their choices here of interior guy or elite edge rusher. Why'd you go interior? I went interior because I think if you get the interior guy right, they can cause even more damage. You know, you can when you have an interior guy that can really just wreck. Uh, the blocking schemes, as Dane says, you know, 
uh, block destruction. When you've got that going on, that's it changes what you can do from a running standpoint between the tackles. It changes how you protect and it and it opens some things up on the perimeter because you can't just slide to one direction. You have to give attention to that player and Jalen Carter. And and I see Jalen Carter as Jeffrey Simmons all over again. I thought Jeffrey Simmons was, was the best player in his draft, but I, I moved him down just a, a one or two notches simply because of the injury. Jalen Carter is not injured. And so I ended up saying, you know what, I'm going to take best player available on the board for my personal board, who I have the guy ranked number one, Jalen Carter. And I don't think there's a lot of defensive tackles like Jalen Carter in this draft. I do think there are some edge rushers who have potential in this draft. Um, unfortunately, the Bears, you know, don't have a second round pick because they traded it for Claypool, Chase Claypool. So I do believe the, the Bears will trade out of this. But in this one, I wanted to just plant my flag and say, if everything was the way it was supposed to be in round one, here's how I think it would go. They do have Baltimore's second round pick. Um, oh, that's right. That, yeah. From the trade. But that's out of, outside the top 50. So to your point, that's it, it, it's a little tougher to know or to, to have a good idea of who's going to be there at that point. So, Dane, if you had Carter and Anderson on the board, mm-hmm. who would you take? Um, I, I mean, I think you can make an argument that they're, it just comes down to your roster and what you think fits better. Uh, and I think, you know, to, I agree with a lot of what Lance said, and, and especially with the Bears, who you think of that Matt Eberflus defense, and you think about what a, a three technique would bring uh, a guy like Jalen Carter. I, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, you can see a lot of that. Um, I, I think that it, it would not be a surprise if one day Jalen Carter is top three in the NFL at his position. He has that type of ability, and it's hard to say no to that uh, when, when you're drafting that early. If you get that that interior disruption, a guy that's equally uh, effective versus the run in the pass, um, I, I mean, he's just – does he need to mature in a few areas? Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I, I don't think that he has character concerns per se – uh, you know, did Kirby Smart have to ride him a little bit? Yeah, but I mean, that's most young players, uh, you know. And so I, I think that based off his talent, based off of where he could be, because he's not hit his ceiling yet, he, he's far from it. So based on who he is now and what he can be, I, I, I have I would have no problem taking Jalen Carter ahead of Will Anderson, even though um, I, I, I really think you can make a case for either one of those guys. Absolutely. Lance, I laughed when you said block destruction because I was thinking back to when I realized that Aaron Donald was – incredibly special he had a game in 2013 against georgia tech now for those who don't remember georgia tech at the time had paul johnson as their head coach they were triple option team aaron donald had six tackles for loss against a triple option team everything about the triple option is designed to gain positive yardage or zero yards Mm -hmm. it is nearly impossible to have two tackles for loss against a triple he had six yeah so the block destruction piece of it, I, I do understand. Well, and the nature of, and I think the nature of being able to disrupt from the interior, especially because you're right on top of a guard. Typically, guards are not going to be the same athletes as tackle, uh, defensive tackle who has a significant athletic or hand usage advantage to get quick wins. A quick win defensive tackle can really ruin your entire plans because there's one section of the defense where you are going to be at a substantial disadvantage, and that's that's one of the reasons I like a dominant defensive tackle over a dominant defensive end. I, I think Aaron Donald helped you make the case for defensive tackle when you see what's possible. And that's what and, and this with, is this last year, right? Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. 
Yeah, well, although they, and, they can play similar positions. Right, and I, but I, and I think with Carter, it's not just quickness. It's not just that he's quicker than everybody else. He has skill to what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he trusts his instincts in terms of reading the blocks. Um, he, it's just, yeah, he has a rare combination of body control, quickness, power, and that really allows him to uh, you know, deconstruct blocks. But I also think that there is a skill level involved that he has already shown at a young age. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question as a somebody who follows mostly college football. The transfer portal has changed the college game considerably, but it's also changed how guys wind up in the NFL draft, when and where they blow up. And what's interesting to me about your draft, Lance, your, your mock, you have Christian Gonzalez going to Detroit very early. And then Love two it. picks later, you have Drew Sanders going to Atlanta. These are guys who both transferred last year. I, I'm curious what you think. If Christian Gonzalez had stayed at Colorado, are we talking about him like this? And Drew Sanders, I, I think I know the answer because if he stays at Alabama, we're probably yeah, not right. talking about him here. Right. I think with Christian Gonzalez, his tape's really good at Colorado, to be honest. So I think we would be. I don't think that's a problem. Um, great cornerbacks who have height, weight, length, and explosiveness and who are going to test like like he does. It doesn't matter where they come from. I think we would have definitely heard about Christian Gonzalez. And I, and I do think Christian Gonzalez comes off the board um, inside of the first 12 picks. He's really going to be a great tester. And he's just one of the better athletes I've studied at cornerback. Um, in terms of Drew Sanders, it, it you boy, you're right, Andy. It's really amazing that we take an edge, a guy who is recruited to be an edge defender at Alabama. They allow him to play inside linebacker at, at Arkansas and do some pass rushing. And one of the reasons I've got him this high is because I'm really high on him as a prospect. Like I said, I put my own personal feelings in here. Atlanta needs linebacker play and rush. They happen to get a guy who can do a little of both in this yeah. one. And I think Sanders is also freaky big. He's physical and he's going to be an explosive tester as well. And and the thing is, if people are wondering, well, how can a guy that you're mocking in the top 10 have not seen the field at Alabama? Because here are the other edge rushers at Alabama. Will Anderson, who we're mm-hmm. talking about above him. Dallas Turner, who we'll be talking about next year in this vein. Chris Braswell, who's also really, really good. I mean, it's that's that's the issue, and and so I I was very curious as to as to how that works because I I do think in college football, if you see stuff like this happen, you saw it with Jermaine Johnson where he left Georgia to go to Florida State because he wanted to show he's an every down player, and it, it paid off for him because he was a first round draft pick. I wonder if we're going to see more of that with these guys that are on the stack teams, and this is partially wish casting this because I want to see the talent disperse a little more. So the, the games are a little closer, but it does seem like it's working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, opportunity. And, yeah, that's it. And, and I, I know Saban wasn't happy when he transferred. He, he thought that uh, he was really going to get a chance this year, but Drew Sanders didn't want to take that chance. And I think it worked out for him. Um, I, and I, Lance, you and I had not talked about Christian Gonzalez yet. And so I'm, I'm happy to see him. You have that, have him that high. I also had him to, to Detroit in my mock draft. And I think I'm putting, putting together my top 100 for, for next week. And I, Christian Gonzalez is going to be a top five player, my top five non-quarterback on my board for everything that Same. you said with that length, with that speed. Uh, I thought one of my worries was finding the football and making those plays, which I thought over the second half of the season, we saw uh, him make improvements there. 
So I'm with you. I think Gonzalez is a player. Rare athletic gifts at the position. I mean, he's got, you know, we see guys who move well. We see guys who are fast. But it's really rare to see the fluidity of his hips, the pure long speed, um, his his explosiveness. He's going to jump over 40. He's going to run really fast. But he's fluid in the hips. And he's got height, length, and weight. A lot of times some of these guys check in at 188. Maybe yeah. 191, and there's nothing wrong with 191. But for him to be that size with 200 pounds, run like that, jump like that, and have the fluidity of the hips and feet, it's just a rare set of, you know, I, I wasn't as high on Jalen Ramsey as I should have been because when you're big and you have a special and you have special athleticism and really ball skills, that makes all the difference in the world. And I thought, frankly, I thought his tape was better at Colorado than this year at Oregon. So. I, you know, I, I know what he's capable of. His tape against Drake London, it was a battle last year. Yeah. It was yeah. a real battle with both of them coming out. But even when he lost the battles, he was right there in it. Like he, it's not like he was beaten badly on anything. You just don't see that happen. I think my favorite part about Christian Gonzalez is just the bloodlines. You look at his dad, 6'9", professional basketball player. You look at his two sisters, high-level track athletes, his sister Melissa, uh, was in the 2021 Olympics uh, for with Colombia as a, a dual citizen. So uh, it's it just he not only checks a lot of those boxes that you see on tape and the measurables, but when you look at dive into his background and see his family and all that, you start to understand, okay, this is why he is a high-level athlete. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is. Doing what you need to do. Carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash maze. Placing a trade shouldn't be complicated. It should be smooth as butter. The Fidelity app makes investing easy with zero commission U.S. stock and ETF trades, no account minimums, and fractional shares trading. Fidelity, where nothing comes between you and the trade. That's smooth. Download our app free from the App Store or Google Play. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from $0.01 cent to $0.03 cents per $1,000 of principal. No account minimums apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Lance, you've got Will Levis going to the La the Raiders. Now, we knew that Derek Carr was not going to be with the Raiders anymore, but he actually said it at the Pro Bowl, actually made a nice little joke about it at the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. But they need a new quarterback of the future, franchise quarterback. What about Will Levis makes him the right fit for, for Josh McDaniels in that offense? Well, I don't know that he is, but I'm putting him there. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but... I'm not co-signing this. Um, I've got Will Levis way down the ranks. I've got him at a low 6.3, which would 
put them late in the second, basically. Um, if, if I'm grading this like for a team, for example, I'd, I'd give him what would amount to a, a second to third round grade. I, I think he's got a chance. I think he's going to be an NFL starter. You know, but Daniel Jeremiah made made – I did his podcast last week, and he made some really good points about the amount of injuries he played through. I think Dane has maybe made some of the same yeah. points. Played through a lot of injuries, a lot of very difficult injuries. Um, showed up and, and was accountable for what – you know, for how he played, despite the fact that he wasn't at 100%. Um, you know, I, I even think on 2021, it's better taped than 2022, but there's still holes in it for me. But with Will Levis, you have size, you have a terrific arm. You have a guy who's very, very tough and the Raiders have backed themselves in a difficult spot. I know they probably thought they had a great shot of Tom Brady and then Tom Brady, that option went away. Derek Carr, the, the bridge is burned. And so now the Raiders are in a position with lots of weapons at their disposal and no trigger man. So you know, what they may do is say, look, let's try to convince ourselves that this is another Josh Allen situation and we can find out. I think everyone's going to try to do that with with either Anthony Richardson or Will Levis when they want to talk themselves into either one of those players. And the Raiders just happen to have some really, really good weapons to use. So if the Will Levis play we saw this year was primarily due to injury and suspect line play, you know, the Raiders can do something about that. The Raiders have that ability. So I could see them taking a shot here with the guy that that many people had as maybe the top quarterback and from a draft prospect standpoint coming into the year. Yeah, and I don't think people realize how hurt Will Levis was this year. I mean, that was a big factor in, in his play. And so uh, it, it's, you know, it goes back to the reasons or excuses when it comes to quarterbacks. There are some of these are reasons. Some of these people look at as excuses, but uh, I think with Levis, there are several reasons here why his 2022 season didn't live up to expectations. We've talked about it at length on this podcast, and, and that's why he's still going to go probably somewhere in the top 10 picks uh, and going to be a, a player that uh, teams, I, I do believe more than one team will have him as the top quarterback uh, on the board because of all that he offers. Uh, most importantly, that toughness, that competitiveness, the intelligence, uh, and, and you know, that's, that's something that a lot of teams are going to cling to. Um, and so it's, I, I think you're absolutely right. Putting them as high as you did in the mock. Mm -hmm. I think you have to ask yourself, what would this player do? And I don't think enough people do this. We just look at how did you do in this game or this year? And that's it. And that's why we, you know, that's why people miss on Josh Allen, for example, ask yourself this question. And, and but the same thing goes is true for like the Dwayne Haskins of the world where you say, okay, what would you do with lesser talent or maybe mm -hmm. even, you know, Tua? what would you do with lesser talent at wide receivers? What would you do at lesser when you, when you don't have the best players on the field, when you are not at an advantage at the skill position, how will you perform then? Because the really good players can, can elevate you. And what we're trying to figure out are who are the playmakers and who are the snap takers. If you say, well, only the very best players, you know, can, can, can take, average talent and make them better. Yeah, that's what you're trying to draft. If you're drafting the first or second quarterback, you have to try to decide if that's, you know, what you have if you're a team that doesn't have much. Similarly, we have to take a look at guys who don't have things that are that are even relatively optimal on the offensive line or skill position, and you say, okay, what would this same player do with a, with a good offensive line and decent skill position players? And if you ask yourself that about Will Levis, if you gave Will Levis the Raiders, man, you get a great chance to succeed if you're with the Raiders. Now, Derek Carr did not play great, 
But this is what it, you want it to look like at tight end, at wide receiver, at running back. You get a lot of ad, you know advantages there. You need to tighten up the offensive line a little bit. But if you can't make it with Levis and then Josh McDaniels, who was Tom Brady's you know coach for so many years, I mean, this would be the perfect spot for Levis. The question is, can he? How good is he at this point? So we we've talked a lot on this podcast about Tyree Wilson and, and you've got him going to Seattle at five. He's the next edge rusher behind Will Anderson, but mm -hmm. a guy we haven't talked a ton about is who you have going to Carolina near the bottom of the top 10. And that's Keon white who mm -hmm. played at old dominion transferred to Georgia tech. We just saw him last week, the senior bowl. He is one of the more intriguing prospects in this draft. You know, I wanted to put B. John Robinson there and I know that, that analytics Twitter would have had full on heart attacks. But um, Bijan Robinson for me is a special player. He, he literally, I think if you had a young quarterback, I would have left Bijan Robinson there. And I, I can't count Matt Corral because I don't know what the new regime is going. I don't know what Frank Reich is going to think of Matt Corral. So I can't really count him. So if you had a young quarterback, I would say Bijan takes, he, he runs the, you know, he's basically Christian McCaffrey 2.0. He's a three down player with, great talent um, on, on all three downs and the ability to, to, to get short yardage for you, to hit explosive plays, to catch a ball in the backfield, and ha handle a heavy workload. So for a young quarterback, there's nothing better than a, a running back who takes pressure off of a quarterback, and that's what Bijan would do. But Carolina just doesn't have that quarterback as a jump-off point. So I gave in and took Bijan out there, and I went with the defensive end, which is another need for them. And frankly – you know, Keon White is just a freak show in terms of his size, his strength, uh, his lean muscle mass is going to be off the charts. When you see him in the uniform, it's it's really, really impressive. I think what we saw in Senior Bowl, though, Andy and Dane, is that when it clicks, it's really, really good, but there's still some clicking that needs to take place. And I think right now Carolina is not expected to win now. Frank Reich does have, you know, a little bit of a grace period. Why not draft a guy with all the physical ability and tools and upside and allow him, you know, a little bit of a runway since Frank Reich has that runway as well. That's fascinating because he he is a freak. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, where What kind of grade did you give? I know this is a mock. This is what, you know, yeah. you know you're projecting. I've got, him, uh, I've got him 20th, I think, in the class. Okay. Yeah. And that's a push grade. That's a push grade. Before uh, senior bowl, I had him in the 30s. I had him in the second round. But just seeing him live and in person and there are things i didn't like but i also on tape i know that he doesn't have very good awareness to the run he's not very instinctive but watching some of his power and strength i pushed him to a grade that i'm projecting him to not to what the tape the tape didn't have him at this grade i pushed him to a projectable grade based on traits and what i think is possible for him yeah i, I don't do that for everybody yeah. but i did that for him but i i personally nine would be a little rich for me uh i know daniel jeremiah has him ninth ninth out of his top 50 players uh for me he's closer to 19 20 21 for me and that's with a little bit of a push for uh traits projection yeah and, that, and that's what makes him so interesting because you know it is a more of a traits based uh grade and right. you know and that's why we're i think we're gonna see uh a lot of a lot of discourse from teams about where he belongs in this draft because not everyone's gonna be on board with those traits they're gonna see the player they're gonna see Okay, does he have the makeup to become the, the sum of his parts? And, and so Keon White will be a very, I think, divisive player in this draft in terms of where exactly he's being slotted by teams. Yeah, that, that's one of those that I 
well, let's do it while we're while we're having the traits versus production discussion. I'm going to step in as the guy who covers college football again and say, you have Anthony Richardson in the first round, Lance. You have him mm-hmm. going to the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's not where I would draft him. Okay, but so this this seems to be pretty universal among draft analysts, though. Like this this is where everybody's at. Like this guy's getting drafted in the first round. Mm-hmm. in spite of what we saw on the field. Yeah, you know, last year was uh, – I thought Malik Willis had a terrible year last year, if you want to know the truth. Oh, he mm-hmm. did. And, uh, I mean, you couldn't find it on tape. I mean, you could find flashes. I would tell you Anthony Richardson against a better level of competition actually had a better year, although it was wildly inconsistent. I mean, the best he looked was game one against Utah. Mm-hmm. Man, he is patient. He's getting through his progressions. He is throwing the ball with timing. And it made me think, okay, if this is him with the most amount of preparation and maybe his mechanics are at the best, because I thought his feet were much better then, and maybe it kind of falls apart on him as the season winds down, then, then you know, the, my positive I would say is that I think Anthony Richardson, maybe if you keep drilling down the muscle memory reflex and you keep working on it, maybe you start to see more of the Utah games and fewer of the LSU games, you know, moving forward. So, um, Anthony Richardson, I just thought it made a lot of sense. To, now, I couldn't find a place for him beside Tampa Bay. And I and it is fresh in my mind that everyone passed on those quarterbacks last year other than Kenny Pickett. And, you know, we're used to seeing if you're a good quarterback, you know, everyone's going to go in the first round, everybody. Well, they didn't last year. And so Anthony Richardson has great physical tools with Soto Malik Willis, and he went in the third round. And there was no character issues that I knew of with, with the Malik Willis. There's no injury issues. You could make a case that he's Jalen Hurts 2.0 in terms of what his capabilities could be. Uh, And so, of course, that was before Jalen Hurts was this year's Jalen Hurts. Hmm. Anthony Richardson, to me, my comp is uh, is Cam Newton, and I think there's a lot of Cam Newton in his game. He's a sporadic passer. He overthrows guys. The footwork isn't where it's supposed to be, but he's big. He's a talented runner. Um, He needs to rely on it as much as possible probably early in his career. And I think Tampa Bay now realizes, okay, it – this is up now. We're done with Tom Brady, and we're going to have to realistically look at how we're going to build slash rebuild this team. And if there's a place where you could get away with it, it would be Tampa Bay, where you say we're going to sell. We're going to sell. Uh, this isn't a timeshare. We're going to sell the dreams of a new subdivision that's still being cultivated. And Anthony Richardson will put you up in this. You know, we'll put you up right now in this timeshare that hmm. may be. Whoever it we're, may be, we're speculating. Uh, yeah, it, it, this is a speculative. Now we're also going to find out if this is the Freddie Mac, Freddie May. You know, if this is uh, <laughs> if we're bundling up a bunch of bad uh, debt Cre- here. With credit, Anthony credit Richardson. default swaps. I never <laughs> thought that phrase is going to be uttered on this podcast. With his, with his lack of uh, consistency and lack of accuracy, but I mean, the traits are are the best in the draft, without question, and. The guy he could be is a really high-end quarterback. I just – there's a grade that we have on our scale, 6.5, boom or bust. I gave that to Zach Wilson because I was really worried about the bust factor, to be honest with you. And I just can't – I couldn't bring myself to give a grade that that's, that's that high to Anthony Richardson. I just – I needed to see a – I needed one year of relatively sustainable play. And this year it just saw really good mixed with some really bad. And it's a really interesting landing spot with all Florida uh, quarterback depth chart with with Kyle Trask still there. (laughs) That's right.
One more player I wanted to ask you about real quick. Kalijah Kansi, major first-round mock. He is so interesting. I mean, the more I watch of him and really finish up his report, I, I can get on board with that, him going in the first round. I, I can be on board with him being a top 40 pick. I, it is, it's going to be interesting what he weighs, comes in at. Is he under six foot? Is he over under 280, 285? What, where is he his best, in your opinion, the best place to play him on an NFL defensive line? You know, so I just went back to my my uh, Ed Oliver discussions, and I, I went back to thinking about okay, Ed Oliver was a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. This guy is more productive than Ed Oliver was. He's just as quick. I think Ed had better strength at the point of attack and, and played with a little better leverage. But when it came to getting in the gaps and, and being disruptive in terms of tackles for loss, Cansey uh, to me is maybe even more explosive and quicker in some regards. And as a pass rusher, I think he's more skilled than Ed Oliver, maybe in the same category. And Ed did it against the lower level of competition, relative, relatively speaking, as a you know, as opposed to a, a power five, although some would argue, you know, about the, the level of competition, I suppose. Um, I just we're we're in a draft where a quarterback with outlandish outlier qualities from a size standpoint is is going to be the first quarterback taken off the board. It's mm-hmm. going to be Bryce Young. We've got 175-pound wide receivers left and right. Tank Dell is 163 pounds. We've got, um, you know, there's going to be um, players that are smaller than normal. Uh, I I had a team tell me that Emmanuel Forbes played in the 160s at over six feet Mm -hmm. tall, which is rail thin. I just saw a guy with no calves in J.L. Skinner. No calves at all. No, none. And he's six foot four, and I'm like – this, it, it was blowing me away, yet this guy's a hitter. He's physical. So I'm going to worry about the guy who's got mega production from Pitt, who's <laughs> undersized from Pitt and kill it. And now the only thing missing It's almost like they've had a defensive tackle who was undersized who had mega production before. I had a history of this. Yeah. <laughs> and so now the difference was that, that he murdered the senior bowl. Yeah. We're talking about Aaron Donald. And he was a human door jam. Like you couldn't move him. That's not the case with the with, uh, – with Kalijah uh, uh, Kansi, that's that's not the, the same case. But he is disruptive. I think he's more of a rotational run defender and every down pass rusher. And Dane, I mean, teams need defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the kid from Baylor can play three downs. I, give right. me a guy that I know can make plays. I, mm-hmm. I love guys that make plays. I know he's 280-ish pounds. I just don't care. He's a playmaker late in the first. I can't even remember who I gave him to. Cincinnati. But, um, yeah, I gave him to the Bengals. And the Bengals are a team that have some, you know, they actually have some depth so they can play some games in terms of, hey, you know what, in this in this situation, because the other thing that you can do with Kansi is move him around to whoever the weak point is right. on the defense and exploit them. So um, I just – I know Mel Kuyper had him early, and I thought, boy, that's ballsy, Mel, 280 yeah. pounds. And then I realized I just kept moving him up saying, God, all he does is make plays. Am I really – to your so, point, Andy, no. productive guys are typically – he has the best, productive – The best football players right. tend to be the best football players. So Yeah, and he has productive qualities. Like, yeah. he has qualities that will be productive. Is he going to get beat and run? Yeah, but I said the same thing about Ed Oliver. Yeah, Ed Oliver's going to get pushed around sometimes. But he'll make enough explosive plays that it balances it out. I agree 100% because he'll be bullied in, at the goal line and, and the, some of that short yardage stuff. But he is so quick. I love his hands. They're violent. They're quick. Uh, he is a guy that is, uh, I appreciate it a lot more the more I watch of him. So yeah, we're on the same page with Kansi. Yeah. What, one more before we wrap, because we were just talking about 
ideal size and, and less than ideal size. Your wide receiver one in your mock, Lance, Jalen Hyatt to Houston, really, really leaning into that Will Fuller comp. Yeah. Uh, but this is a guy who's 153 pounds coming out of high school, had, had, had eat and eat and eat to get toward the 180s. Mm-hmm. And he's the first guy off the board. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look. The year that Jay that that I took a little bit of heat the year that I didn't have Laquan Treadwell as the first pick or Corey Coleman. Now that turned out, and I had Will Fuller. Will Fuller was the best of those three guys, without question. Will Fuller has had injury issues, hamstring issues, but Will Fuller had bad hands. Like he had hand problems coming out of college. But these two guys, man, it is freaky similar. I think I made a Deshaun Jackson comp just to stay away from the Will Fuller injury stuff, um, and I think you can make the Deshaun Jackson comp as well. They have similar body types. They both have a smoothness to their gait where you just you wouldn't even know they're that fast except there's another player on tape that you see going much, much slower. I never saw one person run with him on tape at all this year. Mm-hmm. And if you're Houston and you've drafted Bryce Young, and remember some of this is based on what you did previously, if you've drafted Bryce Young or you draft C.J. Stroud, you know either one of those two guys, I've got Nico Collins as my big possession guy. I've got John Mechie coming back this year in the slot. And now I've got my guy that takes the top off the defense and can pull safeties off the line of scrimmage where Damian Pierce was a hammerhead last year and really, you know, a godsend for that run game. Now all of a sudden I've got a dangerous home run threat and the team needs explosive plays, but he has an ancillary impact on the running game. And I don't think that's, I don't think enough is made of what a fast wide receiver does to coverage schemes and how it can have an impact on not just the running game, but the possession receiver who maybe finds a little bit more of the slot receiver on the same side who finds a little bit more room to operate. So I went with Jalen because, frankly, I just think he is – I think a team's going to draft him for what he does well. Is he a guy that's going to get in and out of breaks and be an intermediate route runner? No. Mm-hmm. He is an explosive – he's an explosive bat. He's an explosive receiver with a very specific set of skills, just like – Just like, um, just like Liam Neeson like, and Taken. Yes. Like in yeah. There's an there's an explosive set of skills here, and you don't and you don't want to be on the other end of have, ask Alabama, Alabama yeah. when they had to cover them they never changed their coverages up. Kirby Smart did it way different if you watch Georgia, and um, Jordan Addison's 175 pounds and he plays in the slot. That's not what's special about that. Quentin Johnston drops everything. I mean he's big and fast, but he didn't have the same impact on games on a consistent basis that Jalen Hyatt did, I can't find that wide receiver one that I could put ahead of Jalen Hyatt, to be honest with you. I love it. That's great. And it's, he does two things really, really well, the explosive speed and the ball skills. And, I mean, if you, you could do those two things at a high level, you have tremendous value at the next level. So I, I get it. Mm-hmm. And I know what he is and I know what he isn't. And always remember, this is my thing I always try to I, – I preach to people, is when people talk about a player's limitations, like a – uh, like um, you got a player who's a strong player, but he's not as athletic. Well, I mean, he's not as, as athletic. Yeah, but the team drafting him is probably not going to run a lot of outside zone. They're drafting him for what he does well. Well, this this player, you know, he doesn't have a lot of speed around the corner. Well, that team probably employs more speed to power, and they may have speed on the other side. Like teams know what the strengths and weaknesses are. So if there's a scheme-specific type of corner, that team who drafts him, like Seattle back with cover three corners – they're drafting a specific corner, so he's probably going to be at his best. In some ways, scheme-specific players are more likely to be drafted by the teams who are are expecting to utilize them for what they do well 
and try to avoid the things they don't do well. Right. And it's when they don't, when, when somebody who runs something completely different and says, oh, we can exactly. make you into this, that's where you have problems. But you're exactly right. And, and what Lance described in Houston, if they take the quarterback, you look at what else they have, you put those pieces together, Jalen Hyatt fits in very well there. So I, I, I'm fascinated to see how all of this fits together. We'll have a lot to talk about now, between now and the Combine. Guys, we'll be back next week. We'll do it all again. This was the Athletic Football Show. Hey, hey. hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.